0: Welcome to Alt Caring Conversations. Your health and wellness matters. I'm your host, Tracy Dawn Brewer. In today's episode, I am so happy to bring Dr. Shalad to you today. Dr. Shalad is an amazing provider with Altman and she has a wonderful way of making you feel comfortable while she offers a wealth of information about breast cancer. I learned so much and I've been getting mammograms for years. I hope you learned something new to help you care for your health in better ways as well. Listen in. Welcome to a new episode of Alt Caring Conversations. I'm so honored to be with Dr. Shalad today, a breast surgical oncologist with Altman Hospital. Thank you, Dr. Shalad, for taking a moment out of your busy day to be with us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having us here. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey with Altman and why you're so passionate about educating our community about
1: breast cancer. Oh, thank you. So I came to Altman in 2010, um, and I initially started doing general surgery, and I was doing trauma surgery originally as well. And then I started taking more and more care of breast cancer patients, and I loved the patient population and just taking care of them and being with the women and men through their journeys. And I actually ended up then sort of putting my career on hold here for a year. And I went up to the Cleveland Clinic and I did their breast surgical oncology fellowship. Um, And so I did that after several years in practice. And then I came back to Altman with sort of all those new tricks and secrets and techniques that I learned in fellowship and was then able to offer those to the women of the community, which was nice. So some of the procedures that I learned up there I can then now offer here. So that way in Canton, we can offer most of what they are offering at any major academic center, which is great to have the ability to be able to do that.
0: I love knowing that. That is tremendous. And this is why I love these podcasts, because we get to talk to providers like you and get a little bit more insight. So that's wonderful. Um, And and again, it's so important to have, you know, providers like you in our community. You know, you're offering guidance and education when it comes to this type of information, because I think a lot of us rely on media and they share those updates and are like, well, you need to be this age and we're telling you to schedule this and this is the treatment now. And it's just so much to follow when it comes to breast cancer. So it's really important to hear it straight from a professional here in our community. (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: And it's great because one of the, the things that was also really nice about going up there is I then got to sort of meet and know all of the breast surgeons in Northeast Ohio. And so we're a pretty close knit group. And so it's nice. So we all know everyone. And so whenever there is someone who's needs to go up there or wants to go up there, I mean, Mm -hmm. so now these other surgeons, like they're now my friends, they're my colleagues. I pick them up and go, Hey, I have someone who needs to go up there for whatever reason. And actually the flip is actually true. Sometimes patients that are closer to Canton, end up up there. And then they yeah. call me up and say, Hey, I have a lady who's from right down the street from you. Like she doesn't need to be coming all the way up here for her treatment. Wow. Can you just take care of her down there it would save her a lot of commute. And wow. so it's nice that we sort of have this two way street between us. That is, I love knowing that.
0: Oh my gosh, that's great. So you, when we were preparing for this podcast, you offer two main pieces of advice, get your mammogram and tell your provider if you notice any breast changes So I'd love for you to explain a little bit more and expand on those for us. What are like the basic requirements and what types of changes should we be looking for to
1: share with our provider? So, as far as get your mammograms, I tell women when you get to the age of 40, get one mammogram every year. And I say I guess at least one mammogram because sometimes something shows up and we need to see you another time, six months later, but always mammogram once a year. And you want to do that until at least we think that your health starts going downhill and we expect less than five to 10 years of life expectancy. And so once you're you're older, it's not a magical number. It's not 70, 75. It's whenever your health gets to that point where we don't think you're going to be around in 10 years is when we say, hey, you know, maybe let's cut back on the mammograms. One of my favorite stories about that was I saw a lady who was 92 for her screening mammogram. And I was like, really? She's not like, why are we doing a screening mammogram? And so I asked her when I walked in the room, I was like, hey, so we're doing a screening mammogram on you, you know, and and I go over the recommendations. And she goes, well, she goes, my mom lived to be 104. And I plan to live until I'm 106. And I said, great, we'll see you next year for your (laughs) screening mammogram. I love that story. Wow. And I mean it, and that's why like every every person is different, and everyone's journey is different. And so you really have to individualize. But on average, once you start at forty, you now there's some situations where we start earlier based on family history. And so if women have first degree relatives who are getting cancer under the age of fifty, then we want to start. So 10 years before that family member was diagnosed. And so if the family member was diagnosed at 45, you start your mammograms at 35. Wow. Um, and then there's other high risk things that we can do for for women who have that strong family history, but otherwise, a mammogram once a year. And what's great is Most of the mammogram centers in Canton nowadays have 3D mammograms. And Mm. so the old fashioned mammogram was just two views, one from the top and one from the side. And now it takes lots of little pictures. And so it's almost like a little mini cat scan of the breast. And so they get lots of pictures and it's great, especially for women who have dense breasts, but it still gives lots of information for women who don't have dense breasts. And that's sort of been the, I don't want to say gold standard because it's not proven to be the gold standard yet, but it's getting there. And so most places around here will automatically do that 3D mammogram, which gives our radiologists great information of what's going on in the breasts.
0: Amazing. So, when we're doing our self-care, are there certain things that you recommend we should look for to come to you our provider to let them know?
1: So, whenever you feel a lump or a bump or anything that's changed or different, sometimes it's just a skin change, you know, a, a red spot, you know, that the breast is swelling, it starts to feel thicker. If there's nipple discharge, so things that we we are we like to investigate a little bit further or a discharge that's either bloody or a discharge that's watery like dripping like a water faucet. So clear watery discharge we want to know about, bloody discharge we want to know about. If there's any other kind of discharge we still want to know and we'll investigate and make sure there's nothing else going on but the two that are the most concerning usually are the bloody discharge and the clear watery discharge. Okay, so if really limit, no
0: change is too small to tell your doctor.
1: <laughs> absolutely. And I always tell women, like, we'd much rather see someone for something that's not a problem than have someone at home having a problem and think that it's okay. So I always tell all of our patients, you know, if you if you see something, absolutely. Just let us know. Come and see us. Come tell your regular doctor that, hey, I noticed something different in my breast. And sometimes that's just, you know, the nipple pulling in nipples pulling in that happens more frequently than you would imagine for non-cancerous reasons. And so just because it happens it's not the end of the world, but it's something that we want to know about and we want to make sure there's nothing going on.
0: Okay, that's helpful, very helpful. So I'm sure that there's some really like health risk factors that could equate to breast cancer. Can you kind of go over some of those other health things that we may be dealing
1: with that could equate to a breast
0: cancer diagnosis?
1: Absolutely. Some of those things, there are things that are completely out of our control. So things that are out of our control are things like family history. Um, When you start having periods, you know, the age that you go into menopause, the age at which people have babies. And so all of those things can potentially increase the risk. So if you start having your periods younger in life, less than 12, or if you reach menopause after 55, those are things that we can't do anything about. They just, they're the risk factors that they are. Um, and the same thing with having babies. And so we know that when women have babies younger in life, there's not as high of a risk of breast cancer than women who have babies older in life. But again, these are things that, I mean, you don't want us to run out and say, oh, I need to have a baby to lower my risk of breast cancer. So that, <laughs> right. that's not the answer. Um, but there are things that you can't change. Now, things that we can modify that do impact risk of breast cancer, um, there are things that affect all parts of your life. It's things like exercise. So women who exercise and live a active lifestyle, they have a lower risk of breast cancer. Um, And uh, one of the other things is eating good, healthy fruit and vegetables. I mean, so it's limiting red meats, eating less processed foods. And so it's just the good, healthy living lifestyle things that we should all be doing anyway. But that also impacts breast cancer risk. Okay. Um, One of the things that people have or that women have the most control over, along with that, is actually weight. So we know that when weight is higher after menopause, that that actually increases the risk of developing breast cancer. And the reason being is that most breast cancers that we see and treat are fed by estrogens. So the most common source of estrogens are your ovaries, but after menopause, so that goes down. But the fat cells in the body still make estrogen. So everyone still has some estrogen being made. But unfortunately, the more fat cells that you have, the more estrogen that you have. And that's where weight comes into play, is that so women who are overweight, they have more fat cells. And unfortunately, those fat cells are making more estrogens, which then increases the risk of developing breast cancer.
0: Wow, I've never heard that correlation. I've never been told that. That's amazing. (laughs) Wow. So I know you just shared about some things we can do to reduce our risks, you know, taking care of our weight, eating healthier, getting our screenings. Are there anything else that we can do to reduce any risks that um,
1: are important to mention? I'm trying to think so. Staying active, um, eating good, healthy food. Um, I mean, those are some of the biggest modifiable things that we can do. And
0: knowing your family history. I mean, that sounds very important because a lot of people don't talk about what grandma, mother, Absolutely. have gone through.
1: So really having that conversation and finding out seems pretty vital. It does. And the women who who we then find who have these family histories, we have a great program at the hospital for women who are higher risk and to help find women who are sort of higher risk. And so one of our nurse practitioners, she does a fantastic job sort of going over family history, talking about all those risk factors that we just mentioned, and she puts it all into a risk calculator. And what she does is she helps calculate women's lifetime risk of developing breast cancer. And for our women who are high risk, we actually have a special program where we watch them closely. And so that's usually mammograms once a year and MRIs and other modalities to help watch women closely.
0: That's fascinating. And I know that it's also important to find out the men in your life, grandfathers, fathers, if they've dealt with any
1: cancers, because that could be an indicator as well. Absolutely. And along with the, the men in the family, the other thing that I feel like a lot of people don't, quite realize is that breast cancer and a family history of breast cancer doesn't only come from the mother's side so it can also mm. come from the father's side so if your father is one of you know four children and all the siblings were female and they all had breast cancer and his mom had breast cancer and his grandma had breast cancer that is still really important information to have because there could be a gene or something that's working not quite right that was passed down to the father that could get passed down to the children. It's it's not dependent on gender. It's a yeah. 50-50 risk with those genes, and that risk is not associated with gender. So some mm-hmm. people will say, oh, like that was on the father's side. We don't need to worry about it. And unfortunately, that's just not true. It's It comes from both sides. Today's episode is brought to you by Altman Breast Surgery. Visit
0: our show notes for a link to learn more. Yeah, that's pretty important. I'm glad we're talking about men. Um, I honestly had a good friend who he had died with breast cancer. And so now knowing that we can bring this up and talk about it, especially, you know, this is going to be October and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I think we really need to include men in this conversation. So what's the process for a man to look for something with cancer, uh, breast cancer? And what's that look like for them when they come to the uh, breast care center?
1: So for men, it's usually the same thing. So if they notice a change, if it's a mass, any difference, you know, bleeding, anything at all, tell their physician or their provider and come to um, get an order for a mammogram, sometimes an ultrasound as well, and then to come to the breast center and get mammograms. Men get gynecomastia, which is some fullness behind the breast or some fullness of the breast, which is a non-cancerous thing. And so the mammogram really helps tell the difference between what's a mass something like that could be a cancer or what is normal dense breast tissue that men can also get that gynecomastia and so mammograms are great for telling the difference between the two and the same thing also goes for men if you notice a change so say at point a you get imaging and workup and everything's fine but something changes and is worse than then tell your doctor again and say hey they said that this was fine, but now this seems different. Like, hey, let's look at this. Let's look at this again. Yeah. And so it's yeah. always important that, regardless, men, women, if you notice a change, and even if point A, things were okay, if something's different or you feel like it's getting worse, then mm. then tell your doctor again and say, hey, we need to look at this again. Yeah. Because we've we've certainly seen that before as well in both men and women where they have a workup and everything's fine, and then three years later there's something else new. And they think it's the same thing that they had before. And so it's always go back to go get a mammogram, go get an ultrasound and make sure that things are either the same or if things are changing, let's see what's going on.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I feel like we're so fortunate to have your expertise here in our community and especially at Altman's Breast Care Center. And I know that's one location like we've been talking about that can provide great service. I'd love for you to share what Every, everything that the breast care center offers uh to the community
1: oh wow so we're very fortunate so our breast center is is great so they offer so many services we have um all of our radiologists are fellowship trained which means that they went through extra training focusing on reading just breast imaging And so that's fantastic. And so the people who are looking at your mammograms and your ultrasounds and our breast MRIs, they're all people who have gone through extra training focusing on breast. And so they do mammograms, which are the regular just sort of once a year screening. They do diagnostic mammograms. If something shows up, trying to get more information, ultrasounds where they're looking to see if there's something specific going on, either in the breast or in the lymph nodes. And then they also do MRIs and MRI-guided biopsies. Now, right now, those are in the basement of the hospital, down the radiology department. But it's when we do MRI-guided biopsies, our radiologists are going down there. And then those images are read by our specific radiologists here in the breast center.
0: All right. That makes that that makes that makes process a little bit more clear. So I appreciate you yes. clarifying that. So if someone wants to, they can't just like walk into the Altman Breast Care Center.
1: What's the process for someone to become a patient there? Um, so there's actually, so there's two, two separate areas. So there's the Altman Breast Center, which is an imaging center. And then there's my practice, which is Altman Breast Surgery. And so for Altman Breast Surgery, which is my practice. So either you can call and make your own referral, or your physician or provider can refer you to my practice. Now, the Altman Breast Center, so if you need imaging done, so that's your mammogram, ultrasound, biopsy. Um, So what happens is either your physician or your provider needs to send an order to the breast center saying that you need this done. Now, what happens, though, is that if your doctor says, hey, I think you need a mammogram, and you get here, and then they go, "You, you know, like, you need a mammogram, but you need an ultrasound, too. Then they work on all of that here. So you just need that order to sort of get here and to sort of get you on the right path. And then sort of the, the team here is fantastic. They work through sort of all the other subtle nuances and helps coordinate things with your regular doctor, or your referring doctor to, to take care of whatever other next steps you need.
0: Okay, that's very helpful. And I make I will make sure I put all the contact information for all of those locations in our show notes. Oh, great, thank you. Uh, yes, and there seems to be so many breast
1: cancer diagnoses.
0: Are there more
1: common ones than others? There are. So there's two main kinds of breast cancer that we see. So what I tell women is that the breast is made up of two main areas. So there's the ducts, which carry the milk, and the gland or the lobe that would have made the milk. And most cancers come from the duct. It's the most common location for the breast cancers. And then other cancers can come from the lobes. And that would be like a lobular cancer. But ductal cancers are the most common kind of cancers. And most cancers that we see respond to hormones. Um, and so those are, I guess, the most common type of cancer that we see.
0: Okay. So can you explain some of the uh, breast cancer treatment options that people would
1: have? Absolutely. So there's different ways that we treat women with breast cancer. And so I like to think of it as two ways. So there's how we treat the breast itself. Now, when it comes to treating the breast and the skin over the breast, so that's surgery or it's radiation. And not frequently both, but sometimes just surgery. Sometimes you don't need radiation, but that's what we call local therapies. And so surgery and radiation treat the breast. And then we have the way that we treat the whole body. Now, treating the whole body is also very important in treating breast cancer, and that's things like anti-hormone medications or chemotherapy falls under that as well. And so those are the two big ways that we treat breast cancer. There's local treatment, which is of the breast itself, and then there's the systemic treatment, the treatment of the whole body, which is usually medications, chemotherapy, things like that.
0: OK, well, I know that's very high level and I know yeah. you would get much more specific yes. if you would have someone and talking about all of their options. But
1: absolutely. The, yeah. the two big surgical options that most women talk about are so there's lumpectomies, which is where we remove part of the breast. And frequently women, not always, but frequently women who need a lumpectomy, they need a mastectomy or sorry, they need radiation as well. Now, there's different ways that we can do lumpectomy. So one is if I just remove that area, then what I do is I then move that breast tissue around and I sew it back up. So that way women don't have a big divot or anything like that. And that was actually one of those really cool things that I learned in fellowship was I spent a lot of time with their plastic surgeons learning how to move around that breast tissue. So that way, the goal was that the breast would look good when we were done. And I remember one of my mentors always used to say, she goes, she said, you know, she goes, anyone can take out a breast cancer. She goes, but it takes skill and training to make the breast look good when you're done. And that's sort of where the shift and the paradigm in breast cancer treatment has gone is we, yeah, we want to take care of the cancer, but we also want to make sure that 10, 15, 20 years down the road, that when women look at their breasts, because we expect women on the whole to live a really long time after their breast cancer diagnosis. So when they're you know getting out of the shower and they're naked and they look down they see their breast they go it's not something that they cringe about that they can sort of look at their breast and just move on Yeah. yeah. So we do just the lumpectomies. Sometimes we do lumpectomies with our plastic surgeons and we do a reduction at the same time. So this is for women who are bigger breasted, you know, a D cup or larger. And sometimes we can even do it as sort of like a lift where I remove the cancer part. And then right then the plastic surgeon comes in and does a reduction in our lift. This is really great for women who have really big breasts. That have, you know, they've had a lifetime of their shoulders hurting, their neck hurting, you know, their bra straps digging into their shoulders, and let's sort of like I call it the yeasties down below, where it's sort of like the the skin can get sort of red and irritated, and so a lot of times if we work with a plastic surgeon, these ladies can get a reduction all at the same time, and it it's tremendously helpful. Oh my! I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. And so a lot of women like that, I, I sort of jokingly tell them that's the only silver lining I can give you on all of this is I can, I can get you that reduction that you always wanted. And we can take care of it all at the same time. Um, as far as mastectomies go. So historically when women had mastectomies, they used to be very disfiguring, um, because they would take the muscles and all the lymph nodes. And now we've sort of, we gotten to the point where we can preserve in some women as much of the skin as possible. So we can do what we call nipple-sparing mastectomies, where we keep the entirety of the skin envelope. So that way, women can still have a breast that looks much more like a natural breast. And you now sometimes we're not able to do that, but we do always sort of try to sort of give that aesthetic look so that way things are as, as natural appearing as possible. And so we can do those nipple sparing mastectomies. Sometimes when we can't preserve nipples, um, we can still work with a plastic surgeon and rebuild that breast shape and mount so that way the breast does look have, and the body has a much more natural shape. You know, some women don't want that and they go, hey, you know, I don't want to deal with reconstruction or any of that. Just make me as flat as you can make me. Um, And we can certainly, sometimes we do that just with myself. Sometimes we do that with our plastic surgeon of just giving women as smooth and as flat of a contour as we can. Okay. So there's lots of options in the land of surgery. And so when we meet with our patients, we go over all of these options and we sort of look at their their body shape and type and all their sort of other health factors and sort of try to come up with a decision together of what's really going to be the best thing for you. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, this has been wonderful because there were so many just misconceptions that I had, and just just assuming things went one way, and you had this one option. So, uh, thank you so much for taking a moment out of your day to talk to us, and you know, letting our audience get to know you better. And so personally, it's always wonderful to have a provider share their knowledge and really feel a good connection, um, because that's what we want when someone's providing us care. And so now they got to get to know you a little bit better um if somebody does have a specific question though about our podcast they're always um able to email us at where you matter at altcare.com and if we do get any uh questions I'll just send them over to you and if you're able to answer them that would be great but thank thank you so much Dr. Shalab for taking a moment today
1: to be with us awesome thanks so much I'm really happy I was able to come today I appreciate it (laughs) have a great day thank you you too